got me singing out. All right. Welcome, everybody, out to Robin's podcast number two here at the old Robin shop on the old bench. The old bench. The old bench. We have uh, Skyler, our install manager with us, Drew, our service manager, Steve Robbins, our owner. I'm Richard Williams. I'm the sales manager. And this podcast is produced by our friends at Zia Media Group. So welcome everybody out today. Pretty neat. Yeah. Thank you. A lot. I got a a question for you. (laughs) What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Oh, am I up? Oh, I, if you're on time, you're late. Who gave you that piece of advice? Uh, foster parents. Yeah. Um, his name's Tony. I haven't talked to him in a long time, but yeah, yeah. He gave me that piece of advice. He'd always tell me that all the time. He was one of those early bird type people and, uh, it's always stuck with me for a long time. So it was pretty cool. That's a good one. I'm still thinking. I got to think of that. Yeah. That don't eat yellow snow. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. That's good advice, though. It really is. If yeah. you're looking to carry you through. That's good stuff. Mm. Got that's tough, dude. That's a tough one. Come on. Got a lot of advice. Come on. Um, what's the best piece of advice you'd give somebody else? If you're on time, you're late. <laughs> <laughs> uh, never stop learning. I think that's a that's a good one. I would, I would give in that I got an advice from a coach. Never stop learning. Don't get me wrong. There's times where I've not necessarily followed that advice, but I would say never stop learning. I got one. I'm going gonna, gonna to say check your ego. Ooh. Who told you that one? Got to check your ego. Jocko, dude. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Jocko says it the man. Lot. Yeah. yeah. The man. man you got to check the ego. Yeah. The man. I think that your ego factors into a lot of things, and sometimes mm. it's not always right. So you got to check it. You might not always look where you're going, but you'll always go where you're looking. That's a good one. Nice. Dang, you just Stop came it. up with that on the fly. That was majestic, dude. Yeah. No, that's... I wrote that one down the other day. I heard it. It was a good oh, one. Oh, yeah. That's solid. Yeah, that's yeah, very that's solid. A good one. You wrote it down. <clears throat> now you remember it. I do. Yeah. That's right. Um, if you were thrown on a deserted island for a year and you had five minutes to grab three items, what would you take? I mean, obviously, you need a lighter, uh, a tent, <laughs> and some sort of weapon probably like a machete or something mm-hmm. i got a fishing pole a lot oh, and a knife if i'm on an island there's gonna be something around there mm-hmm. so i'm gonna say no and the hook the hook comes with the fishing pole oh. it's already on there it, it's a symboled fishing pole yeah it's a symbol <laughs> line and all okay okay i'm probably gonna take a bow um some flint and steel something to start a fire and my wife, to be honest with you, if I get to crab stuff, uh-huh. we kind of killed uh, you hang out on too. a deserted island with my wife. Yeah. I think he he did say items. I don't know if that <laughs> yeah. counts or. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I'm gonna take I'm gonna take uh, a weapon. I'm gonna take a water purifier and a lighter. Mm. Something to start run out of with. gas with that lighter at some point. Yeah. Uh, How long are we going to be on this island? Uh, yeah. I'm keeping. He said a year, but mm. so I'm keeping a fire. Though. A fire the entire time. That fire's if never going out. And if it does, I have my lighter. So <laughs> if it rains, huh? Do you make a shelter for it? Mm-hmm. I just realized something though. You saying that Purified you guys all had really good ones, and I think I would die right off. <laughs> I don't think I'm making it. I didn't do very well on the fly. Like, did we have time to think about it? If that was a real scenario. 
got five minutes. To you got five minutes. Right? Five minutes to think about it. Like they walk in your door and they say, or you're like, you're out of here in five minutes. What are you taking? Mm, that's rough. The fishing pole was probably the. That was a really good one. I don't know. Water purifier. Well, yeah, you that was solid. Salt you can purify it with fire. Yeah, you can. You can boil it off, but you don't have a pot. Ooh. <laughs> I forgot a pot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I can make a pot. Mm-hmm. With my fire and clay. Clay. And clay. Yes, sir. Clay pot. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Solid. Okay. Industrious. <laughs> What's a misconception that somebody has about you or that most people have about you? I would say that I'm not a person that jokes around a lot. Because unless I'm around somebody that I know, for the most part, I'm kind of standoffish, if you will. So, but once you get to know me. It's different levels. It's all layers. Yeah, lots <laughs> of layers. Sometimes I wish I could go back to that stage when you didn't know me as well. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> I would probably, mine's kind of like that. Like, um, I talk a lot. I'm very outgoing. But, like, when it comes to, like, making small talk with people I don't know, I'm very standoffish. Like, mm -hmm. I don't, I won't, like, if I see people out in public that, you know, I may know from just here and there, I won't stop and make small talk. I'm, hey, how you doing? I'm out. I'm leaving. I don't, I don't yeah. want to hang out and talk. So, yeah. um, where, like, if it's us or whatever, I'm just, nah, no, the whole time, you know, I'm loud and obnoxious. So, I think a misconception people have about me is that I'm nice. <laughs> 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 That's wrong. Not you. No. <laughs> Jail. <laughs> I'm nice when I need to be, I guess. But yeah, I, I, unfortunately, I'm brutally honest, is what people say. Oh, yeah. And so, um, right off the rip, people don't get that. But I think over time, they <laughs> they get the real the real Steve. Steve, his name should be Ego Chick. <laughs> Trick or ego. Yeah. That's why me and Steve get along so well, because my wife is uh, brutally honest as well. So go home, get used to it, come to work, same thing. <laughs> it's like I never left. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know what I would say. What's a common misconception people have about me? I'm going to pull the audience. Or you want our opinion? Mm -hmm. Look, this oh. is not how this goes, right? Because if we get stalled, we can't flip the script like that. You yeah, did it. That's you know, what are you gonna do? Who you made him the host of this? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's Eric. <sighs> Jesus. Um, um, help a fill out, would you? Misconception. You're organized. Because you were not organized. <laughs> you were organized chaos all the time. All the time. Lady. All the time. I think most people don't don't take you as being competitive. Yeah, um, I was gonna say yeah, that's very, very competitive. So yeah. But you don't like you don't put that off. Very calm, very collected, but deep down. Watch out. He I'm tried to body win. slam me in the office the other day. I know. I, I I'm gonna win tactfully and silently. <laughs> nice all right what's a common misconception people have about the hvac industry oh. about the industry as a whole as the industry as a whole what's a common misconception in the industry mm. yeah, i'm gonna rough. jump in and say a common one that i kind of hear is like oh it must be nice like that's a good industry but it's really just like a very demanding industry. Mm -hmm. Like for somebody that's looking from the outside in, maybe about 
joining or, you know, hiring in, transitioning, becoming part of the industry, that it's maybe a little easier than it really is. I'd agree with that. Um, if you can make it through the first year, you can probably make it through the rest of them. Uh, but that first year physically, it, it's it's quite the change. We see quite a few people wanting to come in from different industries. Um, if you're not work, used to working on roofs when it's 100 plus on the roofs all day, every day, it's it's probably something that's going to take a toll on, on somebody for sure. I think just um, like off of what Richard said, people don't like um, – even on the service side, I think it's about the same. We show up in the heat, you know, when uh, when it's hot outside, we show up and people are hot and they're mad. We get them fixed and we leave as soon as we start cooling there. Oh, your house is cooled down. Okay, we're on to the next one into the heat. And then we do the same thing in the in the wintertime whenever it's cold out. You know, we work in the freezing temperatures and then, you know, as soon as we get them heat up and running, right? Like, okay, now it's time for us to leave. We have no, there's no comfort. It is, uh, it's super demanding, super, super tough that way. I think how technically, like it's ever evolving for us, but how much technical skill you need to have in our industry. I think that's overlooked quite a bit because it's not just one piece of equipment or a specific brand. It's it's a whole array that we go out and work on and either install um, or service side, go out and fix the whole nine and what it takes from residential all the way through commercial, the whole nine. I mean, I'll speak for myself, not knowing, and obviously I knew Steve and stuff before coming into the industry, but having no idea how much you have to have in your bank, if you will, on everything technical-wise, from electricity to refrigeration to mechanical components, gas, the whole nine. It's There's a lot more to it that most people don't even realize. And it's just a box. Yeah, you have to keep it in the bank because <clears throat> you'll use it for six months and then you won't use it for six months. So you better remember what the heck's going on yeah, at the end of it. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. I think as you think about that too, anything you do that's more demanding is more rewarding. So for me, it is anyway. Maybe not for everybody. Maybe everybody doesn't have that same perception. But for me, I get out of things what I put into them. So if you're in a you know, really put something into an industry that's physically and mentally demanding of you, you're going to get a lot more reward out of it. Um, and no disrespect to any other industry, especially the oil field. We have so many oil field um, people around here, but Drew and Skyler came from the oil field and I was laughing the other day because we were on that job and Robert or Risky, he was like, um, we got into a little bit of a difficult situation and he was just joking, but he made the comment, I hear the oil field calling me. <laughs> and so I just think about how physically demanding that oil field is. And then to hear somebody that's actually came out of the oil field make that comment is, is just interesting. So, and off the rigs too at that. I mean, that's mm -hmm. some of the toughest work there is. So yeah, pretty awesome. Yeah. But it is, it's a good industry. I think that's maybe another misconception people have is how rewarding and how in demand the industry is and how it can really be a very good and successful career. Mm -hmm. And so if people are willing to stick it out and make the changes they need, it uh, it really can become a rewarding career. So a little plug out there to those people who are thinking that they want to make an industry change. We're hiring. Always hiring. <laughs> Why are you guys whispering? <laughs> okay. Yeah, we're hiring. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Listen, it was subtle. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, it was subtle plug. Subtle. Yeah. Nice. All right. What else? Anything else? Any other common misconceptions? Uh, anything I can think of right off the rip, I don't think. Mm -mm. What's one thing you find a lot of homeowners don't understand about their heating and cooling system? 
misconception that a particular homeowner has about the system in their house. I got a good one. That the uh, the one inch pleated filter is the best thing they can ever buy for their Ooh, system. That's a really good mm -hmm. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, don't get me wrong. A one inch pleated filter is the best thing you can get for filtration, but the result is it, it's not the greatest for your system. Um, it ends up blocking more airflow, causing more damage to a system than it does the benefits you get out of the the clean air. So. I think that's that's one of the biggest ones, right? And you look at the big back, the big box stores. They sell basically all pleated filters, mm -hmm. and uh, they got some very very nice filters, but they they kill blower motors. Yeah, yeah, I thought about that too. I need to actually do more research. This is just an opinion that's I I've kind of formed in my own mind, but I think that somebody somewhere took a marketing idea that we should sell these better filters um, because they appeal to people, but in the industry as a whole it didn't apply to people's systems mm -hmm. you know it was applied as create cleaner air but the filter was never never a purpose to actually create cleaner air it was to help keep your system clean and help keep the crud out of your system let it flow good and perform at its max capability which if your duct system is not set up right and it's usually not uh pleated filters are terrible yeah i think even along those lines if, it, if you are going to run a pleated filter it sounds crazy, but the four-inch pleated filter is much better for airflow yep. than your than, one than your one-inch, right? We're talking just surface, surface area, area of, yeah. of, of what we have to pull air through. And that one-inch pleated filter is probably the worst thing ever invented for an AC system, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. so. well, that, and I'll pick you off of that with Steve. I mean, going to the big box stores and much like anything else, oh, that filter is really expensive. That's going to be the cat's meow for my system. It, it's going to be the death of the system just because it's too good of a filter. So, really has something to do with that. But uh, another misconception is um, it, it's freezing up and ain't got no freon in it. We need to add some more freon in it. I mean, it's it's even guys in our industry, you know, do that, but they don't know that it has something to do with their filter. It's got something to do with the coil being dirty. It's got something to do with sometimes not having a filter. So um, that's a that's you know you kind of hear a lot of people say stuff like that you see it on the internet from time to time you know just just put some juice in it and we'll be good to go you know it's not mm -hmm. it's not the case stop doing that yeah. yeah i think another one would be that a swamp cooler works when it starts raining <laughs> <laughs> anybody lives around here come august they know that a swamp cooler doesn't work when it starts raining uh, and that's the tough part of it. The higher the humidity is, the, the worse the evaporative cooler is going to work. So, yeah, Last year was the worst. We got many, many phone calls. So mm -hmm. Probably more so than any in history mm -hmm. that people are like, hey, my cooler's not working. Show up. It's working just fine. It's just doing yeah. all that it can, which is not much. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. I think another one is, speaking of filters, I change my filter once a year whether it needs it or not. Just the old once a year filter changers. You know, don't once a year. <laughs> Your filter probably needs a little more often than that. I'd, I'd venture to say, what do we recommend? Usually quarterly at least. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, minimum. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. And then just based off of how dirty it's getting, how quick. So, what else? There's also another one, just as far as education piece goes. Um, when somebody switches over from evaporative cooler to refrigerated air, I've had several people, I want to hang meat in my house, I want to get it cold, right? I don't, <laughs> for one thing, when it, when it's 70 degrees in your house and it's uh, it's 100 outside, it's going to be plenty cool in there. But we risk that chance once we get uh, certain return air temperatures and the conditions that work out, we're just going to freeze that thing up. So 
uh, depending on your system yeah i mean my system at my house i can run it down to 65 66 degrees but i've got the perfect setup on my house and most people don't um and not that i run it down at that temperature all the time but if i wanted to i could most of the time a system around that 68 mark you're pushing freezing that system up I have that on my paper. I want to ride that train for a minute. So let's talk about why we why we can't go down below that sixty eight number. Okay, talk about it right now. Yep, let's jump in there. Well, for first, it's uh, run times, man. Longer run time, more apt to freezing up. Like you said, if you have anything, like Steve said, he kind of he's got the perfect system, right? If you got the perfect system, then yeah, it'll it'll probably run that way, you know, but not forever. Right, because eventually it doesn't matter how well it's insulated or whatever. It's you're eventually gonna once that thing runs so long, you're just more apt to freezing up. And if anything interferes with that in any way, shape, or form, your filter's dirty. You you don't have the right return air. You don't have the right supply air. You have a vent closed. You have whatever the fact may be is gonna throw a big a big wrench in the whole giddy up there. So you're gonna you're gonna end up freezing the system up. So. Um, I mean, it just extensive run times on, like you said, when it's a hundred and hundred and two out in the middle of July, August. Um, it's, I mean, you're, it's almost bound to happen. You're not going to get away from it, you know? So, yeah. Um, well, like, I mean, your refrigerated system is, there's a lot to it. There's a huge science to it. There's a deep, um, understanding of how everything works. And, you know, I mean, the training stuff that we do here with Steve and everything else, I mean, you know, pressure is temperature and temperature is pressure. So a lot of that plays into how your system operates and how the refrigerant goes through the cycle. So if you're bringing in too cold of temperatures and on the return air side and everything like that, it's it's a direct correlation of what's going on out on, on the outside and coming back in. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of factors that go into it and it's a big science and there's a lot to it, but it's not just cranking it down so you can hang that four quarters of meat. You know what I mean? There's, there's a lot to it. So I think just uh, just where we live, um, we're pretty blessed to be have all four seasons. We're we're high desert, if you will, uh, very dry, so it's pretty easy to cool our air, um, and so that does give us a, a chance to run those a little bit lower than somebody like in the south. I got a sister that lives in Louisiana, and there it's a lot more humid. You get that moisture in the air; that's going to be a different effect on the system. So. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, a lot of people too. You know, have a break it breakdown happen instantly. You know, freezing, you can unthaw and and the system will continue to run again usually. But over time, the more and more and more you freeze that system, the harder it is on it, and it'll fail early in life and compressors and all of that stuff, right? But that's what's hard too is people just say, "Oh, just I'll run it low," and if it freezes up, it freezes up and all unthawed, and then I'll keep running it low. But the more you do that, the more it hurts. When I think people don't understand that, we don't tell you, hey, don't run it that low. Not for that one time you're going to do it. You know, that's that, that's a different story. But it, soon enough, I mean, humans, we adapt, we, we start doing things like that. And we think that we can just run it that low all the time. And then that's when you start getting into trouble because it may run like that at first until you don't change your filter or until your blower motor gets or your blower wheel gets dirty or something of that nature. And then you can't move the airflow that that you were intended to and it just doesn't work out that way you know so mm -hmm. ductwork plays another part of that right huge part gotta, gotta move air you gotta huge move air part. the colder you want it the more air you gotta move so uh let's see is there such thing as cooling <laughs> that was i was gonna throw this in the misconceptions but i didn't 
didn't want to get too deep off I'm, into I'm it. I'm ready. Let's go. Or, <laughs> I would say no. I would say removing heat is yeah. what you do. You don't put cold air in a house. And I mean, unless you're, you put cooler air in a house with a swamp cooler <laughs> sometimes <laughs> if it's not raining. But, but, uh, with, with refrigerated systems, no, you remove the heat. You're transferring heat. Yeah. That's all you're doing. Yeah, I think it's fun with some of our clients and customers that like to get a little bit more in depth. They're, you know, more apt to wanting to hear the details. It's fun to get in with them about how a refrigeration system works and and how a heat transfer works and all of that kind of stuff. So what, what do you think? Is there such thing as cooling? No, I teach the class. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's one, one thing that we get to talk about with uh, with all of our our guys that are coming into the industry and the classes that we that we teach. Right? There's no way that we're going to add cooling. We just remove the heat, and so that's when you know when if you do have refrigerated air, you go outside and that thing's throwing a lot of hot air out of it. Basically, we're pulling it the heat from the house, and then just removing it and transferring it outside, like Drew said. We're just relocating it in that position where it doesn't affect our comfort level. And that's why, as we kind of think of that, right, common misconceptions are that coolers do work and like swamp coolers do work. But as you think about how refrigerated air works, it's able to take that that heat from the house and take it out. And that's why refrigerated air works no matter the conditions because we're taking the heat and pulling it out of the house well part of it right with the evaporative coolers we're taking in whatever the ambient temperature is outside and we're trying to cool that off and dumping that into the house um with the refrigerated air we're just going to circulate that air that's already in the house so we're not trying to overcome 100 degree air out there on that roof we've got 70 72 degree return air and that's what we're conditioning yeah just trying to take it back down when i think uh to another thing is trying to, you know, you have couples that have lived here forever, you know, and they finally, you know, they're good to go and they get a new house or they decide to go refrigerated finally after having a swamp cooler for 40 years after their whole life. And then they, they still want to leave the windows open, you know, after they go refrigerated, there's been several times we've had to go back and be like, Hey, look, like it's, this is a, it's supposed to be a closed deal. You know, the more stuff that's sealed up in your house, the better off you are door, you know, your outside window shut, your outside door shut, you know, less light you can take in the whole night. So. Yeah. Talking misconceptions. <laughs> I think, uh, another one is, well, I, I keep my swamp cooler cause my utility bills are lower that way. And so what, what do you think? AC versus swamp cooler utility bills. I, I mean, that, it might necessarily be the case. I mean, I, I, house to house, obviously, that's different. But um, I don't know. I, I think differently, right? I'll pay any amount of money for comfort. So if I want to be cold all the time and every time I walk in my house and I'm satisfied that it's 70 degrees and a swamp cooler obviously is never going to give you that. So I think um, I don't. I, to me, I... I don't think necessarily, not in every case, you can't say that across the board. I think that's hard to say that that one's cheaper than the other, you know? And I think I introduced this topic with caution, right? We don't want, we don't want people to get the perception that we can tell you what your energy bills are going to be. No. Um, There's a lot of factors that go into where your utility costs are going to be. Utility costs themselves being one of them. As costs go up, that's something that can really determine, obviously, your bill. But, uh, in general speaking, right, the efficiency of AC systems have come come up. So if you have 
you know, some of our older clientele who have had a swamp cooler for a lot of years and they're used to old, inefficient air conditioning systems. They've heard the horror stories. These new, more efficient air conditioning systems, I've had the comments made that they're similar in utility costs to swamp coolers. But again, it just depends household to household. Right. And I think one of those deals is uh, evaporative coolers work great in certain times of year, right? When it when it starts raining, unfortunately, it just doesn't. So that unit's going to run in some instances, 24 hours a day, where your AC system is not just not going to do that. Uh, so, you know, you get home, if you've got the old six-way switch, you get home from work, and it's probably going to be 80, 85 degrees in your house, you crank that on. If you've got a digital controller, that's great. But when the humidity starts coming, and it hopefully does every year, <laughs> get out of this drought maybe, but uh, there's going to be that instance where if you've got a one-horsepower motor, what are we pulling on amps on a one-horsepower motor? 12. 12, right? 12 amps running 24 hours a day. Uh, you know, that's as far as utility cost goes, that's going to be pretty pricey. And that's not counting the amount of water that you're trying to use and go out of that. Interesting enough, I the very first house that I bought, it was an older home built in the early 70s. And when I moved into it, it had an evaporative cooler. I moved into that house in August and it was hot. Right. And <laughs> I come home from working on refrigerated air systems all day long and then go home to go home to that. It just wasn't fun. And so that for that first month, uh, you know, we got our utility bills and then I ended up changing out and going to refrigerated air. And we talk about SEER uh, quite a bit and in, in the different efficiency ratings as, as they go along. But that was the lowest SEER rating that you could purchase at the time. And I put that one on and my bill went up $20. So, I mean, that was... 18 years ago so uh, obviously that was a 10 sear system and now the lowest that we can sell is a 14 3 sear 2 uh, so we're getting to that point where it's it, it, as far as cost of operation goes we're very comparable what what refrigerator 18 years ago is that our 12 still 22 was it 22 mm -hmm. <laughs> give him some credit uh, just well, that, well you said 18 years old Dang. Yeah. You're older than I thought. It's getting great. Why are you whispering? It's good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, again, I, I try to be cautious there when we're designing systems for people, but it's still one of those things where very comfortable saying utility costs are going to be comparable. You know, depending on where you want to keep your thermostat and all that kind of stuff, it's mm -hmm. don't be scared to get rid of your swamp cooler because you're scared that your bill is going to be eight hundred dollars a month because it's it's not. No, but I mean, too, I think it's it's one of those as far as education too. There's a lot of factors, you know, and I think that's what you guys do, Richard, a very good job of, you know, what the home when the home was built, what are the windows like, stuff like that that kind of plays into it too. Um, but yeah, I think it's one of those that we've had customers that put mini splits in um, at my old house just down the road and he had a swamp cooler and we put mini splits in and he keeps it at 70 69 degrees and it went up 40 dollars a month you know what i mean and so it does it does vary but i think it just depends there's a handful of factors too to be aware of well and the best part about that is it doesn't matter if it's raining sunny <clears throat> windy none of that matters the wind you're not bringing dirt into your house i mean you're not doing any of that when you go to refrigerated it's like there's so many upsides to it besides you know the the initial cost or or whatever it is if it's 20 more dollars a month on your mm -hmm. utility bill or whatever it is you know or even if you go to saving money right mm -hmm. it, it does happen in cases so it's pretty interesting there's so many upsides to refrigerated over a swamp cooler 
it's not too bad when the neighbor's barbecuing to get that smell from your swamp cooler. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you get to know what, yeah. what Ricky's cooking next door, you know. Yeah, my favorite Just sneak <laughs> over. <laughs> the neighborhood scout gets up there. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, Pepe starts walking around and it's, the whole house smells like skunk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I grew up that way. I had a swamp cooler and let the old skunk go some nights and, and, uh, then you turn the cooler off and you get to sit there and be miserable so you don't have to smell it. Either smell it or you'll be miserable and hot. Yeah. I'd rather not be hot. I'll just, I'll just I'll embrace it. it. Yeah, you <laughs> just, at that thing. point, yeah, you just got to let it go, you know. <laughs> when is the best time to install a cooling system, a refrigerated air system? Yeah, I would say in that first quarter. First quarter, yeah. Um, the tough part is uh, we get pretty busy in the summertime. Um and, it, you know, unfortunately, we, we'll get people that call in and, and want an estimate, and they're a couple weeks for the estimate. And then the install, they're, you know, two, three, sometimes even in the worst case scenarios, four weeks out on an install. Um, and so if you want to wait half the summer to get cooling, that's, you know, that's one way to do it. But uh, the best time to do it is, is in that first quarter, January, February, March. Um and there's a, there's a misconception there as well that we can't install that stuff when it is cold and we can't. So I think the other misconception that plays into that is, you know, and we do all we can to take care of our customers. You know, we're not perfect by any means, but the thing is, I, I don't want to make anybody wait any more than they like having to wait. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's a bummer for me to go out there and be like, Hey, I know it's been two, two or three weeks since I could actually get, get here to give you an estimate. Now it's going to be another three or more weeks on top of that for us to come install it. And they're bummed. It's hard for me to deliver that news, you know. So it's not like we're just sitting back laughing and enjoying ourselves, taking it easy. We're, you know, guns blazing in the middle of the summertime trying to do all that we can. And so, you know, if I could tell anybody one thing, it would be get your estimates early and get your work done early. And that way you avoid that having to wait so long. If you think about it, I was just thinking about this. I had to describe this. Um Normally, unless you're Richard, um, you don't wait till you run out of gas to get more gas. So, <laughs> you don't ever want to be, you know, in the scenario and need something and the gas station be five miles down the road and you, you're hoofing it at that There's point. There's one time, you know, okay, so. I was on the phone, forgot to stop at the only gas station for 40 miles. <laughs> oh, pretty funny. Yeah. Or twice. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, at the end of the day, yeah, you don't want to, I mean, who wants to wait four weeks? You wait three weeks to get an estimate, you know, worst case scenario, three weeks to get an estimate, worst case scenario, four weeks to get an install. It has happened before. Um, and I mean, not only are we scheduled out that far, but sometimes it takes a while to get the equipment, you know, mm -hmm. shipping and stuff is, dude, it's been a nightmare. So, so, um, you, it's definitely always, you know, early bird gets the worm type, type ordeal. You know, you'd rather, you'd rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it, you know. So, um, <laughs> what they said, can't add much. Okay. I'll throw one your way then, Drew. Uh, when's the best time of year to service your AC system? A lot of that depends on realistically is going to be your outdoor ambient temperatures, right? There's certain things we can do to mask warmer temperatures. You know, we have a jacket and stuff we can put over the condensers to kind of help raise the, the head pressure and stuff like that to kind of simulate a warmer situation. Um, but realistically, I would say if it's anything above 55, 60 degrees ambient outside, then it's, it's, it's on. 
It's, it's, it, we can we can simulate some stuff to be able to get it to be able to check to make sure your everything's working correctly, your pressures, your you know your refrigerant levels the whole night. But I would say anywhere between that fifty to sixty degree mark and above is ideal because we can mask that, and then up from there is always good too. So, you know, we live in a very uh, heavy evaporative cooler uh, climate, and so. The, a misconception, right? You have to wait for it to stop freezing before you turn the water onto your evaporative cooler. Um, and so people kind of get that mindset that it's, I have to have that done in the spring. And that's not the case. If, if I, <clears throat> if I could do my own, which I do, I'm going to do it in June or July when it's hot and that thing's working like a dog and it's working mm -hmm. as, as hard as it possibly can. If I'm going to see an issue or if I'm going to see a problem, I'm going to see it then. Very hard to see those issues in uh, in April and May when they, when the outdoor temperatures just aren't aren't that much. Your indoor temperatures there's not much load in there to overcome. So, in my opinion, uh, the best time to do it is is in the summer when that thing's working. Mm -hmm. You can really get an idea of how how well it's doing. Yeah, a lot of times I'll paint it like uh, you know if you live in town and all you do is drive around town, you're probably never going to need your high beams. And then as soon as you go on a road trip or something and you're out, you know, driving down the highway, now all of a sudden you realize I need my high beams. And, and so that's a lot of times like checking an AC system early in the year when it's very cool, mm. you know, moderate outside. Yeah, I don't need my high beams right now. You know, it's just like driving around town. I'm not going to notice a problem until I absolutely need them. And that's when you're going to see that problem happen. This is your section right here. Service, maintenance. What other misconceptions do you have? There hasn't been more why, we're, why we've been talking today. Things that you thought of? Um, I would say that some people say that every year they have to add refrigerant. It just it is what it is. That's not true. <laughs> just, Sir, you have a leak. Yeah, there there's other issues. You know what I mean? So realistically it's yeah if you have to keep adding refrigerant to a system that's that's not normal yeah it's 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 a sealed thing you know what i mean it shouldn't have to add refrigerant every year especially if it's an every year occurrence you know what i mean i've come across customers a lot yeah we every year we have to add refrigerant let me find out why you know what i mean so for me it's that's that's not the case you, you theoretically you shouldn't ever have to unless you have a leak Sure. And we got to find a leak. Somebody is no taking more leaky. your refrigerator. Yeah, no more leaky. So it's it's the opposite of running out of gas. Every mm -hmm. so often you have to add gas to your vehicle? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's nice yeah. to know. Yeah. You don't have to do that with the AC system. Mm -mm. Yeah. I'm going to say maintenance on new equipment as well. I think that's one that, like we talked, I think, in the first one where it's just because you get a new car doesn't mean you don't, you know, you can't go in and get an oil change and stuff like that. It's just as important on new systems as it is existing ones that you've had for a while not from a customer's standpoint i don't know if we're trying to stick to that but um kind of the bank off what we went earlier a lot of the guys come in and they think that this is a easy good paying uh good paying trade that we're in and and kind of how we were talking earlier we kind of got to do everything um mm -hmm. even a service side install side i mean we got to know a little bit about carpentry where you got to frame stuff up we got to know a little bit about electricity we got to hook up a disconnect we got to you know we got to know a little bit about roofing we got to roof in you know roof jacks whatever it is you know put in flashings we got to know i mean really we got to know a little bit about everything so there's there's a lot to know there's a lot of knowledge gained that you can really use even around the house in your personal life too mm -hmm. people don't realize that it's a it's a good way to uh 
to kind of learn a lot of that stuff if if someone wasn't brought up you know their dad didn't teach them things like that or whichever i mean it's a it's a very handy thing to know a little bit about plumbing a little bit we run a little bit of, a little bit of pvc and when i say a little bit i mean a little bit not a lot <laughs> <laughs> so um but yeah it's 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 kind of a lot man it's not it's not easy by any means but kind of like you said earlier the more the more sweat and tears you put into it, the more accomplished you feel at the end of the day. So it's, I mean, it's very, uh, it's, it's awesome feeling at the end of the day, you're working all day, you're in a hot attic, you're doing this and that. And then you <clears throat> are doing startup at the end of the day at an end of the, end of the install and the house is 80 degrees and it drops 10 degrees in an hour while you're picking up and doing your stuff. There's, there's really no better feeling than that. It's super uh, rewarding, I would say. So to wrap this up, I think we're coming to the close to the end here. If you could put one plug out there for potential new customers, new clients, existing customers, existing clients, what would you say to promote them to think ahead and be prepared for whatever it might be? What would you What would you say to somebody? Don't wait. Like if you're wanting to, especially if you're wanting to go refrigerated and stuff like that. I would say don't wait. I say get on the ball and, you know, get one of our comfort advisors out there and get it going. Like Steve said earlier, I mean, the last thing you want is, is 102 degrees and you have zero cooling and you have to try and figure out a way to invest in something to either get you some cooling or something until we can get something in or no, you're just wasting money at that point. I would say that like, like Skyler said too earlier, the early bird gets a worm on this stuff. I think a lot of people... If we're, if we're talking just air conditioning, right? Heaters are the same thing, but they, a lot of times in the back of their mind, they're like, man, next year I probably need to replace that. I might think about replacing that next year. You know, they do that for two or three years and this thing's, you know, if it's a evaporative cooler, pretty rusted up. If it's a furnace, it's just old. And a lot of times it's in the back of our mind that we need to do that. And then we just wait, wait till that last minute to do it because we want to milk every last minute out of that system that we can but i i think that you know that theme might just be if if you're going to do it you you might as well do it and we unfortunately in the last three years have seen price increases that are astronomical we've never seen these before so um it's it's some of those deals where i don't i don't know what's going to happen this year um and that's not necessarily a scare tactic i i've been thinking it was going to level out for the last year and a half and it hasn't and so it's been that's been one tough thing is we've We'll bid a system last year and then turn around and have to rebid that this year. And it's, it's a significant increase. And so that's, that's kind of tough to swallow and tell the customer, but that would be mine anyway. It's a major bummer deal as far as that goes. Just, I think, I think it might be on the same, along the same lines is a common misconception is that people will just use their system till they can't use it anymore. And on average, we see most systems will have an average life of, 18 to 20 years, depending on exactly what it is, but you're somewhere in that range. So I'll meet some of these, you know, older people that own homes and they're like, you know, I've had, a, I've had this furnace in here for 40 years. You think I got a good life? Like, yeah, it's, it's time. <laughs> it's been time for a long time. Yeah. And so just knowing that they have gotten good use out of it. And at some point, like a vehicle, it's got to be replaced. And so if it's, if it's time, it's time. And, and, uh, the more you wait, the more potentially expensive it is, the more regulations we may incur as far as uh, government standards, things that, that have been passed down to manufacturers and to us that we have to abide by. And so the longer you wait, the more potential there is for things like that. So. 
just off of that real quick i got i have one but um i mean you can't see a, cr a crack in a heat exchanger huh i mean realistically you could be breathing in co the entire time yeah it may still be working it is chugging along but that don't mean it's right you know so it may not be any telltale signs but that, that doesn't mean it's right but um let's see i would say um maybe that something people don't know that'll bring them in like like that'll encourage people to do it because i don't i don't know a whole lot of people that just have you know however much money whatever ten thousand dollars sitting in their bank account to to put heating and air conditioning in their house but i know i don't but um but just i mean we offer financing i don't i don't know if that's if a lot of people are known or if that's you know but it, it's uh, and it's good financing of that and then rebates on top of that i mean that's a, that's a huge deal um kind of like steve talked about with prices going up and up and up it's like you don't, I mean, there's no time better than the present. I mean, good deals don't always come around. Um, and normally we, we try to get those, we try to encourage people to buy earlier so they're not stuck out in the heat because we genuinely care. Like we don't want you to have to wait six weeks to get heating and air conditioning in your house. So, um, we try to, we try to sweeten the pot just a little bit in the, in kind of the off months when, when it's kind of that in between, that in between season. So, um, but financing, man, that's that's where it's at. I think that's a great point, right? Normally, we see in this, you know, the industry itself kind of slows down in the in the late summer, early spring, and so that's where you'll see a lot of these manufacturer rebates come out and taking advantage of those. Love it! You guys have been great. It's a good time. No Podcast good number Always two, is. yeah, number two. Call that call that a wrap for today. I appreciate everybody tuning in and watching this. And again, thanks to you for producing it and, uh, and for the pizza. Man, yeah, and appreciate the pizza. the pizza. Yeah. <laughs> thanks a lot. We love the pizza. <laughs> if you can't tell, we're all, uh, got some wide angle lenses on the cameras. True. Yeah. My camera's in the hallway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it got me though. All right. Till next time, Robin's podcast out. All those